Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. You can imagine a red dragon comes <laughs> he comes on the scene. You're gonna be you're gonna be terrified of that, okay? But John is just describing what he sees here, and he, he sees this red dragon and the seven heads and ten horns, the seven crowns on his heads. His tail drew a third of the stars of heaven and threw them to the earth. This is speaking of his fall, and a third of the hosts of heaven coming down with him. And you're like, a third? That's a lot. Well, but they're outnumbered two to one by the good angels. Never forget that the King of Kings and Lord of Lords is in control. Even though there's a great evil in this world and more to come, we have a good God who cares for us and can even amass angel armies to aid us in times of peril. In the message Pastor James has for you today, he explains that even though armies of demons are against you, there's twice as many angels of light able to come to your aid. So don't fear the dragon at your door, but walk in the fear of the Lord and he will make a way. Now here's Pastor James in the book of Revelation chapter 11 with today's edition of Bread for the Broken. What a shot of encouragement, I would think, if you're there understanding like, man, we've seen what's happened to these other Christians because people are losing their lives during this time period simply because they're Christians. So you can understand the, the struggle maybe for people to, you know, to jump over to that side during these difficult times. What I would envision as just a, a dose of encouragement to be like, man, all right, Jesus, I'm following you. And he's like, hey, check this out. Here's heaven. Look at this. The throne, the, the, the ark is up there. This is what's waiting for you. I don't know, purely speculation on my part. But I mean, it's, it's opened up. It says, you know, the temple of God was, was open in heaven. The ark and his covenant were seen in his temple. And there were, I mean, it was just crazy and just amazingness that was happening there. And then you go into chapter 12. Chapter 12 is a unique chapter, okay? So you're going through the 11. It won't take us long to go through this because chapter 12 is kind of like a, a summary of world history, so to speak. Biblical world history, we could say. Going all the way back into the garden and then right up into this moment where we're the, the midpoint of the three and a half years for the tribulation. Okay, so here's John, and he says, verse, verse 1 of chapter 12, Now a great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a garland of 12 stars. Then being with child, she cried out in labor and in pain to give birth. Now there's this rule of thumb when it comes to Bible study. It's the rule of first mention, okay? First mention. So this is one of those things, because you look at this and you're like, what in the world? Well, this has been mentioned somewhere else. In fact, I would think it was Genesis chapter 37. If I'm getting that right. If I'm, let me check my cross-references. Well, it's not there. Okay, I didn't write it down. Cool. Um, so I'm pretty sure it's Genesis chapter 37. But this is, this is talking about Jacob and his family. So who's the woman with the, with the sun and the moon under her feet and the garland of the 12, 12 stars? Man, 12, that sounds, like a, that sounds like a familiar number. Well, yeah, 
Think of Jacob and his 12 sons. This is Israel. This is Israel. There's no doubt about it. I can say that with 100% confidence. If you're wondering, like, who's this lady? This is Israel. This is not the church. This is not the church because the church does not give birth to Jesus. Jesus gave birth to the church, okay? Don't get it twisted. This is not the church because I've, I've seen that argument and it does not add up. This is Israel. This chapter is purely a Jewish chapter. Being with child, she cried out in labor and in pain to give birth. And here you go. Here's another sign. Another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great fiery red dragon having seven heads and 10 horns, seven being the number of, of completion. Uh, it's not perfection. I think that sometimes is a bad term there uh, for, to describe seven. It's, it's completion, all right? So it's like this complete power. This also could be uh, seven heads. There's a, a Rome was known as the city on seven hills, okay? So there's some thought that this is like, you know, this is Satan for sure, but it's also representing uh, the worldly power. And at this point, what, it's, what a lot of individuals would believe is that this is speaking to the global world power of a re-energized, brought back to life Roman empire, okay? Which could be absolutely true, could be true. 10 horns, um, seven diadems or seven crowns on his head. Uh, and so here you go, here's this fiery red dragon. Unfortunately, this is where you get all your cartoon characters of who's, what Satan looks like, right? He's red. He's got the hooved feet with the tail and the horns, and he's red, this dragon. No, no, no. This is much scarier. Whatever they're drawing on those cartoons, that is not scary at all. I'm not, a, I'm not, I have no fear of that guy. Pitchfork? Where'd he get a pitchfork from? How is that? No, nobody's scared of that guy. Big red fiery dragon, that's, a little, that's pretty impressive. That's intimidating. And what John is watching here, he's like, okay, there's the lady, and, that's, and she's pregnant. She's about to give birth, and all of a sudden, this fiery red dragon shows up on the scene, and he's got seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns or diadems on his, on his heads. It sounds like this guy is like, like it, it seems as though he's in like power. This is a very powerful being. He's not the most powerful being, okay? Not even in the angelic world, okay? Let's not, is he very intelligent? Is Satan smart? Oh, he's the smartest. That dude, yeah, he is absolutely brilliant. Completely brilliant. Is he strong and cunning and all that stuff? Yes. Does he compete with Jesus? Not even close. Not even close. No, because if it weren't for Jesus, Satan wouldn't even exist. The angels were made by him, okay? So it's not God and Satan. They're not on the same level. They're not at all. Satan, or Lucifer, is a created being. But he is, in this story, pretty frightening. I mean, this is, you know, you can imagine a red dragon comes, <laughs> he comes on the scene. You're going to be terrified of that, okay? But John is just describing what he sees here, and he, he sees this red dragon and the seven heads, the ten horns, the seven crowns on his heads. His tail drew a third of the stars of heaven and threw them to the earth. This is speaking of his fall. And a third of the hosts of heaven coming down with him. And you're like, a third? That's a lot. Well, but they're outnumbered two to one by the good angels. So yeah, 
that could be like, what's a third of angels in heaven? I don't know. Probably a whole lot. But it's still not as many as there are good ones. So you don't have to live in fear. And, and really, the, the theme verse for, for this whole chapter would really be, um, well, you, number one, you're not needing to be afraid. Why? Because greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. I don't care how big and scary he may seem to appear. He's not in control. He's not in control. He only gets to do whatever God allows him to do. That's it. What about all the other demons that fell with him, a third of them? They don't get to do anything unless God permits them to do anything. We don't have to be afraid. You also don't need to be yelling at Satan. Can I please say that? Can I... Not that you are. I'm not assuming that you are. You're not walking around yelling at him, but just don't. The Lord rebuke you, right? That's your best response to any, if you're feeling any kind of oppression, okay? I believe, and hopefully you agree with this, that Christians cannot be possessed. Why would I say that? Well, because the Holy Spirit resides in you. So how is a demon going to kick out the Holy Spirit? Ain't happening, okay? And to be possessed is mean to be fully consumed and controlled by that's what that means, okay? So demons, but they can oppress you and mess with you for sure. But they're not greater or stronger than the one who dwells inside of you. The Holy Spirit, because remember, Holy Spirit is God. Greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. So when a demon or something, you feel like you're under attack, spiritual warfare, don't walk around yelling and shouting at Satan. You don't need to do that. You say, you know what? The Lord rebuke you. The Lord rebuke you. We're going to talk about this a little bit. This will be part of our discussion questions. Is what do you do when you're messed with by Satan? What do you do? How do you respond to that? There are ways to, there are ways to do that, okay? Um, classic, classic example of that is, as he often does, when he reminds you of your past, you remind him of his future. You say, yeah, that's all true for me. But what's true for you? I'm saved. Those past things, man, they're covered. Covered by the blood of Christ. I know where my future is. I know where I'm going. I also know where you're going. Okay? So the Lord rebuke you. Go about your business, Satan. Um, I ain't got time. Not today, Satan. Not today. All right? Um, so this dragon, he's positioning himself. He's got a, an army, so to speak, with him. Now, please understand, because you read this and you may think that these, the, the one-third came unwillingly. No, 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 they came willingly with him, okay? Because he swooped them up with his tail. He drew a third of them, threw them to the earth. It says, the dragon stood before the woman who was ready to give birth, to devour her child as soon as it was born. She bore a male child. In my Bible, that child, that C, is capitalized because his name is Jesus, and was caught up to God in his throne. Then the woman fled into the wilderness where she has a place prepared by God that, that they should feed her there 1,260 days or three and a half years, okay? So here's the scene. This is why I'm talking about it. This is like, so you have the dragon, you have the, you know, you're really kind of going from Genesis up until this point in, in Revelation. But you have Israel, and the Satan has always been crouching at, at Israel's feet, so to speak, looking to 
devour Israel, looking to abolish Israel. Why? Because if you can kill the nation, you kill the, pro- the, the future hope of a Messiah. Why do you think Israel has always been attacked? I mean, from day one, Israel has been attacked. Cain and Abel, you think that's just like sibling rivalry? No, that's demonic. That's demonic. That's Cain killing his brother. Why? Because there's two of them, and Satan is well aware of the promise that from Adam and Eve, he's like, well, I got to kill one of these guys. And what what did God tell Cain? Sin is crouching at your door, seeking to devour you, consume you, control you. He gave Cain a way out, and Cain's like, no. And he killed his brother. Satan thought he won. Oh, but there's another brother. His name's Seth. He comes along. And the godly line flows through Seth. And then you can see it, I mean, all throughout, all throughout time and history, Satan has been attacking Israel, attacking Israel, attacking Israel. It is no coincidence that these people in this nation have been the most attacked and oppressed people for all of human history. You think the Holocaust, you don't think that that was demonic? That's demonic, demonic. Satan, the dragon, has been there trying to kill. You remember when Jesus was born and Herod was like, wait, there's somebody here who can threaten my throne? So what do you do? Kill all the babies. Kill all the baby boys. That's demonic. That's Satan-inspired demonic activity. Kill the baby boys. Jesus was rescued. Jesus lived out his life perfectly, died on the cross, rose from the grave, ascended to the right, to be at the right hand of his father. The dragon lost. The dragon lost. But he's not done. Because now he's going to turn his, he's going to keep his focus, his attack on this nation. And, and there's a place of refuge for the, for the nation of Israel. Matthew chapter 24, Jesus told, uh, told everybody, he's like, look, when you see the abomination of desolations, that's when the Antichrist comes in into the middle of the temple, where the temple's established, and he uh, basically sets up an idol or an image of himself and demands that everybody worship him. Jesus says, you better run for the hills. You better run for the hills because it's about to get bad. It's going to get bad. This is where we're at. This is where we're at, going through Revelation. And this chapter 12 is kind of like a snapshot, just showing us like, look, all this stuff is going to be happening. All this stuff from the very beginning to right here, this is why it all makes sense. And this is, the enemy has been the enemy from the beginning, so to speak. And he's been gunning after Israel, trying to kill the Messiah, because if I kill the Messiah, I change history, and I don't go to the lake of fire. I win, God loses. There's a place of refuge that's been established. Where is that place of refuge? And we'll, we'll see in, in just a second. There's, there's different thoughts on this. Um, is it Petra, the great city of Petra, which is a, a cool place. I would like to go there one of these days. Um, it's in Jordan, modern day Jordan, um, not too far from Israel. Uh, I believe, um, I mean, just, just to the east there. And it really, it, it, it's not that far at all. Um, it's a... It's an easily defendable place. I mean, the, the opening into the city of Petra is only 12 feet wide, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's closed in rock. I mean, you can do a Google search on this place. It's phenomenal. It's really cool setup. So, and it could house a lot of people. 
it could safely protect a lot of people for sure. Will that be the place? I don't know, but it kind of makes sense, right? If you're in Israel and you're like, we got to get out of here, let's go to Petra. Let's go to Petra. But this war breaks out, verse 7. A war breaks out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought. But they did not prevail, nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. So the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old, called the devil and Satan, or even in Hebrew, technically, it's the Satan. Is what, it's, is what that really kind of comes down to, who deceived the whole world. He's the adversary. He, he's the troublemaker. He's deceived the whole world. He was cast to earth, and his angels were cast out with him. And you're like, what's going on here? Well, there's this, there's this war that takes place. And it's Michael. Michael and the other angels are the ones who are going to war with Satan and his angels. I love that. God didn't even have to step in. He's like, hey, Michael, go get him. Michael, the archangel. Hey, go get him, dude. You got him. Go get him. Right? He's not, God's like, ah, we're not, we don't need to, we don't need to deal with him. I mean, he could deal with him in an instant. I think this is an encouragement for us that Michael and his angels fought with the dragon and his angels. So you have one third of the hosts of heaven versus two thirds of the hosts of heaven. And these guys lose. And they get booted out of heaven. What is, what, so when, is this like when they were originally thrown out of heaven? No, see, Satan has had access to heaven the whole time. Read the book of Job. Satan goes before God all the time and he says, hey, you know, those, all those people you got, those followers you got down there? Well, let me tell you what they're really like. And God's like, uh, okay, I kind of know everything, but okay, shoot, go for it, right? Job. Job, that guy's not, he only worships you. He only follows you because you bless him. Take it away. He'll curse you to your face. God's like, well, I don't think so, but have at it. See, Satan, the accuser, had access to, to the throne of God to stand before and accuse you day and night. And you have Jesus who's there. He's like, no, covered, 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 covered. He's interceding on behalf of you, Jesus so every accusation that the enemy could even dream up about you, even if it's true, Jesus is like, covered, 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 covered. What else you got? I know they're messed up. Hopefully they know they're messed up, but I definitely know they're messed up. Covered, covered, covered. There'll come a moment in time that access is cut off for Satan. And it only makes him furious because he loves standing before God accusing the brethren. He loves it. He loves it. So let's finish this, this little part out and then we're going to get into our discussion. It says, and I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, now salvation and strength in the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ, uh, of his Christ have come for the accuser of our brethren who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down, and they overcame him by what? By the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. Oh, how do you, how do you be an overcomer? By the blood of Jesus and by the testimony. Now, this is definitely speaking of those who are suffering persecution and, and martyrdom within the tribulation time, but the same can apply for you and I. How do you overcome? How do you win? Through Jesus, 
and your testimony. What's your testimony? He saved you. That's your testimony. That's how they overcame him. He's been cast down. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb, by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives to the death. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea, for the devil has come down to you having great wrath because he knows that he has a short time, three and a half years. The clock is ticking, and Satan knows it. It has become a very real reality for him. He's like, oh man. <laughs> Yikes, I only got three and a half years. Because nobody knows Bible prophecy better than Satan. All right? Nobody, nobody, nobody has their eye on that clock more than him, okay? And he knows this moment happens, it, it's, it's, it's pretty much over. It says, verse 13, here back to Israel. Now, when the dragon saw that he'd been cast to the earth, he persecuted the woman who gave birth to the male child, that's Jesus. But the woman was given two wings of a great eagle, not America. Okay, let's establish that. That's not the United States of America. I know it says an eagle, but not every eagle reference is the United States of America, okay? It's not, all right? I'm sorry. I am sorry to burst your bubble, but it's not, okay? Because that first mention, God was the one. God said, I took you. I swooped you up with what? Wings like wings of an eagle, okay? So... I know, I love America too, I do, trust me, I do. Um, but we're, we're not in the story, okay? I, I don't know where we're at in Revelation, but I, this isn't us, okay? It's, I don't think this is us. So you got, they're being rescued, um, these, these wings of an eagle uh, that she might fly into the wilderness to her place. This is where they think this is maybe like Petra, where she is nourished for a time and times and half a time. That Again, that's three and a half years from the, from the presence of the serpent. So he's now from the dragon to the serpent. So the serpent spewed water out of his mouth like a flood after the woman, that he might cause her to be carried away by the flood. But the earth helped the woman, and the earth opened its mouth and swallowed up the flood, which the dragon had spewed out of his mouth. And the dragon was enraged with the woman, and he went to make war with the rest of her offspring, who keep, uh, who keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. What? What's the water? I don't know. It could be an army. It could be an army. Here's the, here's the cool thing about it, though. God is protecting Israel. They're fleeing to, to safety, to refuge. And then, and then the earth itself is like, yep, I'll take some of that. And he's, the earth swallows up whatever comes spewing out of the serpent's mouth, which could be an army. It's not the first time it's happened. Remember when the rebellion in the wilderness coming out of Egypt, you get the sons of Korah and all that good stuff. Nurse is like, yep, I'll take you. <laughs> and swallowed them up. That happens again here. The whole point of this is this. God is in control. He's in control. Even when Satan thinks that he might have a chance, God's like, no, no. He's protecting his people. And here, again, this is a, a very pro-Jewish chapter in, the, in your Bible where he says, I, no, I'm protecting my people. And they, get, they make it to safety. God protects them. It doesn't matter what, this, what the best that Satan can throw at them. It's not going to touch them. But not everybody makes it to wherever this place of safety is. Not everybody does. Hope, the hopeless, hopeless. 
What we learn from Revelation and many other books of the Bible is a continuous journey. We appreciate our time with you here today on Bread for the Broken. Our host is Calvary Galveston in Galveston, Texas with Pastor James Grizzle. This ministry is dedicated to spreading the truth of the gospel through the study and reading of God's Word so that everyone can find hope and new life in Jesus Christ. If this has resonated with your soul, we'd encourage you not to ignore that. Would you reach out to us by visiting our webpage, breadforthebroken.com? We'd love to talk with you. You can get started by locating the contact tab at the top of the page and submitting an email that will be securely sent to us. Better yet, why not come and join us as we worship Jesus together? We're a laid-back, uncomplicated group of people, simply seeking to love like Jesus better than we have before. We'd be overjoyed to have you come. Just mark it on your calendar Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. or Thursdays at 7 p.m. Take your pick or come to both. Understandably, not all of our listening audience is near Galveston, Texas, but we hope that you'll join us on our live stream so you don't miss out on any inspiring and challenging messages from Pastor James Grizzle. Make sure to visit breadforthebroken.com to learn more. Did the words you heard today make an impact on your day? Would you consider donating to this ministry? We're so thankful for your financial support. To get more information, go to breadforthebroken.com. That's all we have for today, here on Bread for the Broken. Let me paint the picture of you, man.